0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because no. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read did PG 13. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's Wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com/wonder. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Number 40, and we've got a treat because it's somewhat of an introductory podcast. We're going to talk White Sox 2021. We're going to get to that. That's probably second half of the podcast because as much as I introduced or I'm going to introduce Sam Sherman uh, coming up as his coverage begins soon as perhaps the top newcomer we had a year ago with Sports Illustrated because he just came out of the gate gangbusters. I got to say, probably my early tab for newcomer, maybe even an early MVP here with Southside Sox for us, we're talking to him right here. It's Jeremy Carl. The guys come out of the gate, gangbusters, regular coverage for us, dabbling in the six-pack, not too daunted by that weird amalgam of crazy advanced stats. He's taken everything hat on, and now he's even taken on a podcast. Jeremy, welcome. Very nice to have you.
1: Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. I'm excited.
0: So, Jeremy, uh, I don't think you have been, you, you haven't led me on quite the chase I had, say, with uh, Colleen Sullivan. I think I was after for like a couple of years before she decided to <laughs> finally come on. And now, you know, she's going bonkers with all her stuff. Uh, but we were in touch a while back. And, and when, you, when you did respond to me, pretty quickly Signed up with us, so let's talk a little bit of maybe about uh, what got you maybe into the Sox in the first place, and a little bit of your background as a fan.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was just kind of grew up a Sox fan. My dad was a Sox fan um, his whole life, and so that's you know we went to Sox games as a kid or when I was a kid, and that's just kind of how I I got into it. I mean, I, I I remember like you know we'd go to four or five games every year. And, like, when they had, like, Sundays was, like, the kids' day or whatever, like, dollar tickets or whatever, we'd always go to those. And it felt like Burley always pitched on those days. (laughs) And I'd be like, man, I want to see, like, Freddie Garcia or something. No, I don't want to see Mark Burley for, like, the fifth time this year. But now, of course, I'm like, man, I'd rather see Burley than, you know, almost anyone on this staff. So, you know.
0: So uh, uh, first favorite player, about when was maybe your first game?
1: It was, like, my – God, like seventh birthday. It was on my birthday, like seven, sixth or seventh birthday. Uh, they played the Rays. They won 10 to one. Sat in like the left field, uh, bleachers. And I was like, you no, know, I never telling my like best friend, I was, like, I'm going to catch a home run ball. And it just, you know, of course it doesn't, it never <laughs> happen you know. And I was just like, I was so disappointed. Cause I really thought I was going to catch one, but, <laughs> but no, yeah, it's like seventh birthday. And then from there on, we went to a lot more. And yeah, I mean, I grew up with like Burley and, um, Canerico, those are my my two favorites. The two I grew like in AJ, AJ skate Those those three were the ones I like really grew attached to growing up.
0: Well, it's interesting for me. My frame of reference with really the balance of the staff, which is um, significantly younger than me. I'm a guy who bridges, and of course, we have a lot of readers and even a few staff members who are who even stretch back further than I do but you know we're I'm talking to you a guy whose frame of reference is only the new Sox Park nothing mm-hmm. nothing old Comiskey and the frame of reference to is then where did your fandom fall in relation then to 2005 in the World Series and 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 were there memories of that or and what were they
1: Yeah uh definitely I was a huge fan by 2005 I mean I was a fan you know as soon as I knew what baseball <laughs> I right. was a big White Sox fan and I mean I mean I remember in school it would be like I was the only White Sox fan me and this like one other girl in my elementary school were the only White Sox fans then like 2005 came around and all of a sudden everyone was a White Sox fan you know and I'm just like and it just it, it pissed me off it's like an elementary school kid because I was just like man you guys you guys aren't White Sox fans I'm like you've been making fun of me for all of these years and now you're White Sox fans you know you know it just like it drove me crazy because then they won the World Series and it was just like this great moment for me but then it's like everyone's like oh yeah this is you know <laughs>
0: yeah this that's, is like awesome. a, that's like an offshoot of, of the folks who are like man i don't know if i want the team to be that good because geez i can't just sit wherever i want or yeah. <laughs> you know it's too crowded what a hassle um and then you also had a uh a bit of a at least a, a brief moment of clarity growing up as a fan because there's a time where I don't know there's some peer pressuring you into maybe being a Cubs fan so you, you sort of had a, a moment to decide whether you were going to stay true to the White Sox and it does seem like you uh, you came through uh, on the right side of that.
1: Yeah definitely it's like first grade for like <laughs> I was just getting picked on so much and I just went home I told my dad just like I I remember so vividly one of my most vivid like childhood memories It's like dad I think I'm I think I'm going to be a Cubs fan now you know and he still tells this story he's just like Jeremy you know like I don't think you should do that you know he's just like if you want to be like go ahead but you should like sleep on it and you know like I don't think you'll like that and he's like and then I woke up the next morning and I'm like dad I'm not going to be a Cubs fan I'm just going to hate the Cubs I don't I don't like the Cubs I I like the White
0: Sox so. Jeremy Your dad, Mr. Mr. Carl, you are my hero. Well done. Perfect response. Because really, what is the response? Even no matter how young you were, I know you're young and all that, but the response is, are you sure you want to do this? I mean, this is not the right move. And he can't say that to you, but he can say, really? Seriously, you want to do this? You want to be that? Very wise. Very wise. Um, Yes. Now, you... How much of the, the, the love of the White Sox and baseball in general then ended up informing sort of the things you ended up doing, uh, perhaps in high school and certainly uh, in college and perhaps even professionally doing some sports running work, because that is some of your background mm-hmm. as well. Is there a direct link there, or is it just sort of coincidental that, hey, I like sports and, and this is something I want to do?
1: No, it was. Yeah, that's 100 percent. I mean, growing up, like, my main team was the Bulls. We, my family had season tickets to the Bulls. Yeah. Um, so I went to, like, 20 games every year, you know. Um, and so that was, like, my team. But I loved the White Sox. You know, they were they were right there. And I have other teams that I like, too. But now the White Sox are, like, my number one team. And, yeah, 100%. I mean, when I was little, I wanted to be, like, the next Allen Iverson. You know, I was, like, the shortest kid on my team. But I was, like, you know, I can be in the NBA one day. And then when I figured out that wouldn't happen, I was, like, maybe – coaching or like general manager would be cool but then I was like once I got to like high school late high school I was like you know I know a lot about sports or I think I do and I I have a passion for it so this is kind of you know I don't know what else I would have would have really done so I was like I'll just just try it you know got into sports journalism uh for the past like three years wrote for paper in South Dakota covered some high school sports um some NAIA sports little division one you know that that was a blast. You know, so yeah, that that definitely correlated directly to it.
0: So to insert here, as we continue talking about this, this is friends, readers, watchers, listeners. This is confirmation that the CODAs do exist. They weren't just an invention made by the Republicans to like uh, get an extra couple. Oh wait, actually, it was an invention to by the Republicans to get a couple more uh, seats uh, in Congress. But uh, yes. Uh, still, you're speaking to us from South Dakota.
1: I am. Yeah, I didn't believe it either before I came. I I uh, I really had to think about it. It was a very small town. You know, it's one of actually the bigger, it's like ninth biggest town, you know, in South Dakota, Mitchell. And it's like, God, 30,000 maybe at most, you know? And it's just, But then everyone like around the smaller towns, you know, they're like, oh, man, you're so lucky to live in Mitchell. You have a Walmart and stuff, you know? I'm just like, man, where, where I'm from, you know, it's like... You know, we have like the five WalMarts within like ten minutes. You know, so it's, it's it's it was a big change. Still is a big change.
0: Now, you know, I'm not gonna try to make you envious, but certainly when I got into sports training, what I first covered was the the NBA and and got to sit down with Alan Iverson. A lot of the Pat Croce was I was for some reason took a liking to me. So we had a lot of lot of discussions. <laughs> of course, he's quite a trip and and a, and a huge huge. Iverson guy, but unfortunately, only began covering um, AJ uh, or or AM after Michael. So, uh, you know, (laughs) in one way, it made it really easy to get like courtside press seats because I'm guessing in my position, I was going to be way, way, way up in the rafters uh, if it was during that time. But uh, I guess it made for a bigger thrill because you were there right on the court. Now you're watching Dalibor Bagaric and uh, Cornell David, but you know, you got to see the good guys on the other team. So, yeah. Um, those were rough years. Oh my God. It was sort of nice to be able to transition from fan because obviously I grew up, you know, just mm-hmm. like you, you know, uh, Sox were probably always the first, but Bulls really were right there. Geez, uh, artists and Reggie Fias, those are my guys. And, and uh, Chicago Stadium. And uh, mm-hmm. it made it easier. You didn't have to be tempted to cheer for Press Row when yeah. it was Fred Hoiberg. <laughs> Yeah. And briefly brent berry uh yeah it was uh yeah but it was like hey got me here which i'm not really sure jeremy is that a good thing or a bad thing but yeah. here, we're talking and for now it's definitely a good thing um so a definite connection makes sense um and if, any hesitation in uh deciding to want to sort of branch out and actually maybe covering the white socks you know in, as much as it is with us in Southside Sox? Because you certainly have jumped in with both feet uh, or is it something that just you figured maybe all along might be a lot of fun to do?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've read this site for, for, I mean, since you've taken over, especially, um, I, I've been reading it. I like the stuff you guys do and, um, or that we do now. And I think, you know, it, it was some, it was an opportunity I felt have, you know, a little different than when I did uh, previously for the past couple of years, but one that, you know, I, I blogged a little in college um, while I was also freelancing in college and so I kind of wanted to get back into that realm just to see kind of you know see it through again And I, I like blogging I like uh, kind of the, the online presence more so yeah it was an easy decision especially you know I, I mean watch all the games and stuff so it's, it's that makes it a lot easier too might as well write about what you're watching I suppose
0: yeah that's true I mean for some and I might include myself in that I'm not sure that I'm necessarily um um tuned into every inning unless I'm assigned or maybe unless I'm running a White Sox site so you know uh, you know for some of us it might actually be an adjustment um you know for others it's like yeah I'm watching the games anyway and it doesn't mean you're supposed to like take on as you have like double or two six packs or whatever I mean you know uh, God bless the energy and you're kicking ass for us. And I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's nice if it's sort of like, well, yeah, okay. I'm watching the game. Um, and you know, there's certainly that sweet spot, like let's say the bulls championship runs like, yeah, I'm watching every minute. Yeah. How much harder would it be just, you know, to keep the notebook going while I'm, I'm watching this awesomeness. Um, and, you know, hopefully that's what we got, you know, with the white Sox now, and really? we're going to get to the white Sox Now uh, the 500 white Sox here early in the season, right after we take, a quick break we're going to be right back and again if you're watching it's just a real brief pause shut those eyes for just a second we'll be back before you know it i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here us in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans, we are back. I'm Brett Valentini. at Southside Sox podcast number 40 with me. Terrific, terrific newcomer for us at Southside Sox It's Jeremy Carl. First half, we discussed maybe a little bit of what got him to Southside Sox and his White Sox fandom. And now we're going to drill deep because Jeremy has been immersed in inning to inning as much as probably anybody has been on our site in terms of his coverage so far. So I might even be just deferring to him as the expert because I'm just I'm just drive by and with this team right now. But nine and nine. Um, but it's a deceptive nine and nine. And I think there's uh, no doubt looking at the numbers below the nine and nine this is a much stronger team uh, than they're indicating the The simple rating system on baseball reference, which I think basically is just jabs up run differential. They're second in the American League behind Boston, they're fourth in the majors, they run differential would um, indicate that this is a much stronger team than the record indicates. That can be cut a couple ways. It could be cut if Tony La Russa continues to goof around or bad luck continues to be visited on this team, that maybe it's just not their year. But I think it would indicate that this team is on the verge, maybe at any time, might still be a couple weeks from now, of a pretty big breakout. Uh, your sense of the club, maybe as it stands right now here, a couple weeks or so into the season.
1: Yeah, I think you hit had- a lot of the major points, to run differential, kind of the the underlying numbers, and I mean, you look at Aloy Jimenez. Obviously, they knew going into the season he was hurt, but I mean that that didn't happen like a month before the season. It happened like right right there. It's a big adjustment. And then you talk about like, okay, maybe Adam Angle can can get some of those hit bats, and then he's out, <laughs> you know. And then it's like Tim Anderson's out, and it's like, all right. As much as I love you know Leary, not as much this year. Or Nick Magical, it's like you don't want them batting leadoff anymore, really. And so, I mean, they've had so many injuries and, you know, Lancelin now hopefully he doesn't miss too much time. And, you know, I, I think like you said, they're, the games they're losing, they're, they're close. They're, they're right there. Should they have a couple more wins probably, but at the same time, it's like, these are probably wins that you're going to get later in the season when, you know, Jose Abreu's finally hitting your bullpen. It's starting to turn around here when they're able to allow few, uh, fewer runs and stuff like that. Those are probably wins you're going to squeak out in the, in the future.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's a different topic. And as critical as I've been of the off season, the fact that there wasn't any extra depth layered into this team, uh, I'm not going to be meatheaded enough to be up in arms about the fact that both Eloy and Adam Engel go down, you know, in the space of, I don't know what it was a week. It seemed like it was a yeah. blink of an eye uh, and say, well, yes, uh, you should be able to shift on a dime. Now, granted there, there may have been a case to be made for, Still a stronger sub. I mean the triple A situation is a little rough. Um and I know part of that's because players have graduated into the majors. Um, but even I'm not gonna get up in arms about the fact that, well, geez, why do we have Billy Hamilton, you know, starting? Of course you could always make a case that says, geez, this offseason could have been better. And I those are probably two different topics. So you bring up a good point in that given the hits this team has taken, really two starters out for pretty much all year. Um, with Timmy playing a little bit here this season and Engel obviously a key piece, a guy who probably was going to start more games. he didn't summon for guys. Um, those are big hits. And uh, the fact that the team still has an offense to speak of as much as we want to criticize it, you know, it, it says something. And when you flip to the pitching, as much as people have, you know, been concerned rightfully again, it's where the depth strikes given that maybe they went into the season with three legitimate starters um, that's had to look, certainly rotation wise it's odd that the rotation might bring us a little um, less indigestion than in the bullpen at the moment but uh, pitching wise uh, the, the, the team is maybe a little bit better than we would have thought
1: yeah I think so I, I, I think there's also a little worry there as well um, I mean Rodon's pitch obviously amazing he had the no hitter obviously but you know I don't know what his exact pitch counts were but they, they've been up there the last two starts and one of them was five innings and that's pretty high leverage innings to to get over like a hundred pitches or whatever he was. Um so I don't know and I mean I know we talked before the year we we're uh chatting him just kinda like he needs to stay healthy, you know. And if he can stay healthy, he could be one of their best starters. But you know, you have his pitch counts like this early in the season. I don't know how healthy with his injury pounds he's had. But yeah, I mean the starting pitching other than Giolito start, I think has been pretty pretty solid for them. I mean Cease gets fifteen outs, but you know, those fifteen outs are they give them a chance to win at least at least they're in the games for for the most part.
0: Yeah, it's interesting a little debate on the side I think during some of this idle time, you know, here because we've we've been off a couple of days now and 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 discussing what the strength of your 678 or let's even say 5678 should be in your rotation. And you know, I know every rotation out there but I don't know, maybe the Dodgers Um, you know, has weaknesses, has holes, has sometimes even the ace out, you know, injury issues. So I know there's nothing perfect out there, uh, but I don't think it was a lot to ask the White Sox to at least get one other competent veteran, (laughs) even the equivalent, let's say of a a Rodan who, you know, by no means was proven, but just to roll the dice to say, Hey, maybe Rodan's going to give you half a year. And then this other guy's going to give you half a year. It doesn't have to be Irvin Santana. There's there, there are other guys There probably still are other guys out there. That could be filling a role in Schomburg, where it's like, okay, when they need the spot start, it doesn't have to be Kopek for three innings. Yeah, the guy yeah I think that's limited. the problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's that yeah, uh, Kopek is. You shouldn't have to be relying on him uh, <laughs> at at this point, and like he's he's so dominant right now. But it's like, do you? But then it's the argument of like, do you want him for like the starting rotation? Do you want to use him two to three times a week, where he's just completely shutting the, the opposing team down in the middle of the game? Yeah. And the fact that they're in this situation, like you said, it's, it's the depth and not spending the money there. It's like you add another starter and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, Oh my God, we're not going to have to go to uh, Ronaldo Lopez. You know, it's like, all right, we have someone in Schomburg.
0: Yeah. I mean, even. I mean, I don't want to, you know, idealize Clayton Richard, but they had Clayton Richard in Schaumburg last year. And I mean, Clayton Richard, okay, he's going to throw you some ground balls. You're not going to give anything to and He's a guy who knows what he's doing, uh, throwing that handing the ball to Jonathan Stever, which they were probably on the verge of doing here just this past week. Nothing against Jonathan Stever because hopefully he can be a rotation piece for the White Sox, you know, sooner than later. But not now. He's not a guy that a pennant-aspiring team is necessarily going to run out Uh for any, you know, regular interval. Um, and, and he probably is the best option Ronaldo Lopez. He wasn't even in the mix for the 27th guy, uh, which tells you, I don't think it was just bad luck spot in the rotation or, or, you know, on his turn, I think it was that, Hey, we don't think he's even ready and he's really the guy everybody's thinking, all right, he's the guy roll eyes is going to have to be, you know, the, the sub starter. Um, it's such a gap on this team and it's frightening because you can't have it both ways, unless they're going to say at the all-star break, Oh yeah. Did we say Kopeck was going to maybe have a hundred uh, <laughs> inning limit? No, I think 200 is going to be, one. I mean, unless they're going to change what we think the rules are uh, with these guys, with him and Garrett Crochet, uh, they're already maybe using him as a pace. That's going to have him be the, not a guy that's necessarily going to be there mm-hmm. as they have aspired. And as they said before the season, we want him there. September and October. I'm if you run them out for 75 innings before the All Star break, I'm not sure you're going to be able to do that. And I don't have the math in front of you to know if that's the pace. Yeah. Maybe the pace is legit, but they got to find something somewhere, and I don't think they have it. So it's going to be curious to see what they do because I, you know even Bernardo Flores Jr. is gone, who probably yeah. was like their eight. Yeah. <sighs> it's
1: a rough spot. If if Lynn is like if Lynn's injury was worse. We'd be we'd be scratching our heads. What are we doing? I mean, it's not even like Garrett Crochet is pitching super well out of the bullpen. He looks like he needs some minor league, yeah. um, minor league uh, uh, innings right now. Yeah, uh, just because his velocity is down a little. How does he work with that? And I mean, no, nothing against him. I mean, how many players go from you know Tennessee making however like five starts, whatever in his career to pitching in a playoff game and supposed to be the anchor of that that bullpen day in Game Three. So, I mean, it's nothing against him. He'll get there. But, you know, it's like like we keep saying, the it's a bad situation. They put themselves in. They're one bad entry away from, you know, being really screwed right here.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, not to be – I mean, I, I think I started this out by saying the rotation was a positive. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, unfortunately, right now, the po- the rotation does appear to be a pretty good po- – mm-hmm. uh, a pretty strong positive. And I think it was maybe by war measure, I don't, ERA measures, some measure – prior to the Giolito start, I think, you know, early on small sample size yeah. uh, was the best in the league, um, And so still, obviously they're still better than, than average. And it may continue to be just maybe on that strength of that core three, even though Kikla hasn't been doing it. Uh, you get anything at all from cease and, and granted it's 14 outs right now, but yeah, as you pointed out, 14 outs that are pretty efficient, pretty strong, you know, borderline, you know, dominant, um, nice little stretches. And Rodon, just a complete bonus under the Christmas tree, you know, so yeah. far this season, you know, for a guy that we didn't know what he would be doing. He probably didn't know what he'd be doing when he resigned. Uh, and then, you know, the pen, I don't know if we need to get into that too much because that just invites some hysteria, but obviously they got the arms they're struggling maybe with, with, with some roles and some usage. Um, and that isn't just all on the pen. Uh, but I mean, when, I don't know. Even Zach Birdie, or you know, down the line, Jace Fry, maybe, or Jose Ruiz is your thirteenth mm-hmm. arm in the pen. That that's a yeah, pen. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, no worries there. I don't think. Yeah, it's they'll get it together.
0: What What about uh, on the team, uh, Jeremy? Well, who, who stands out? Not necessarily. It could be a surprise, or it could be the guy you're expecting to be uh, um, really impressive. Um, you know, who's your biggest positive maybe on this on this team right now in, in the early going?
1: Um, I'll go with Adam Eden, I suppose, because I feel like I, I, I wasn't thrilled by him, but I, I also root for the Dodgers. I, I like the Dodgers um as well. So I watched Jock Peterson a lot through through his career and I wasn't thrilled about that possibility either. He's really a platoon guy. And um I mean so I mean I thought Adam Eden it was a quick signing. It was more maybe they might have bit against themselves a little but i didn't think it was terrible at the time i wasn't thrilled by it um but i i mean i think he's played really well i mean given you know he was supposed to be a platoon guy with adam angle and now he's starting every game hitting in the number two hole basically every game um you know he's a slow starter historically and not right now he's just come out of the game having you know if these numbers obviously it's really early and you have 140 more games left but right now it's putting up like a career career season for him uh, right now hitting with a lot more power than than he's used to seeing and I think um, you know there's some underlying issues you know he's his swing and miss rate is kind of up there and um, he, he's hit, gained a lot of hits outside of the zone his own co- or outside zone contact rates uh, pretty high there so it's how much of that kind of continue as the year goes on but you know he's been a good surprise and when you need when Tim Anderson's out, you know, Aloy's out, Adam mangles out, you need someone to, to step up. And Jose Abreu's struggling, um, and, and I feel like he stepped up well for them, giving them at least a little offense out there, him and Luis Robert, when those guys were gone.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're not privy to the discussions uh, or the scouting that the, that the Sox have put out there on Eaton. Uh, obviously, they were so bullish on him that Han, as much as admitted, said, you know, this is, I guess, really pointed toward a, a left-handed bat and said, hey, there wasn't anybody else we were going to pursue, so why not sign Adam Eaton, which seems to the rest of us like, what in the world is he a first day of a winter meeting signing? Mm-hmm. He's not. But if he's your guy, and even if it's okay, a little overpay, fine. What's a couple million dollars? Fine. I mean, if that really was your guy, that that seems like a head scratcher. But if that's your guy, maybe based on what you thought he could bring, laughable or not, you know, leadership-wise, I mean, clearly this is the best-case scenario with yep. Adam Eaton right now, and 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 there's no reason why it can't extend for 140 more games. Sure, he's probably going to crash into the wall and sit for a couple of weeks or something. I'm sure he's <laughs> going to have some slump action, but if this can project anywhere near what he's doing uh, for the for the rest of the season, uh, oh my God, I don't think there's much to complain about. Now I think the folks out there who are clucking and saying, "Well, you know, what do you got to say about the Adam Eaton sign?" Now, well, okay, yeah. it's been two or three weeks, so let's just simmer mm-hmm. down on that because we're not even in May. Uh, but I'm not rooting against him. I don't think anybody is. The the biggest head scratching aspect of that was just how in the world does it seem like it's a stampede to Adam Eaton? You know. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. we heard, you know, they were they were goofing, but Jock Peterson, Jock Peterson should fire his agent because the White Techs made a better offer they end up taking. He thought he could hold out for more. Okay, fine. You know, not everything clicks, you know, Zach Wheeler a year before, it's like, hey, you know, gave him the most, you know, offered the most money. Fine. You know, I know some things are always gonna fall through, and it wasn't exactly. The strongest free agent class out there, and apparently not a real mm-hmm. strong trade class either. Doesn't seem like trades get made much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was definitely the peculiar aspect of that, and I'm, I'm sure you'd agree. Where it's like, okay, wait, hold on, yeah. this is your like early December sign. I mean, you go from Yasmani Grandal freaking everybody out, making everybody's heads spin, <clears throat> to now a year later when you're really going for it, it's Adam Eaton, and you got it. Yeah, it was wow. a day
1: after the the Lance Lynn trade too, so it's just like, all right, <laughs> we, we made like this win now move, you know, it's like, we're going to do this. And then it's like Adam Eaton and, and even me, who's like pretty happy with how he's playing and like really excited. And even then I was like,
0: really? Like this yeah. is where we're going now. It's like, uh, Hey Adam, just between you and me, we're just going to yeah. hold this for a week because we just want to yeah. like burn all the goodwill <laughs> on this Lance Lynn thing. And then we'll sort of sneak in and let's not make it a first day. And it that. Yeah. All right. Well, flip side, you know, we've touched on maybe some negatives too, but Is there a guy who stands out who's sort of, you know, again, early going that's maybe disappointed you uh, the most or or maybe uh, defied your expectations the most? Um,
1: For me, it's probably Aaron Bummer just because his FIP is up there. His whip is the worst in the bullpen right now. And the the underlying numbers, if you look at like his baseball Savant page, there's nothing really that stands out like, oh, my God, like his sinker needs to like get better like at this or that, you know, it's just kind of they're just kind of getting hit. And he's allowing a lot of base runners, a lot of walks. Uh, I Uh Five of the seven games he's pitched in, the first guy has gotten on. Um, I don't know. I know he was hurt last year, so I don't know if something like carried over or something. But it's like he's a guy you he was dominant two years ago, got the extension, you know, dominant when he played last year. So he's a guy who's supposed to be the anchor your bullpen, go, you know, 7-8 eight, or eighth inning alone, you know, to get the Hendricks. And right now it's like you can't – I don't know if you can really – really trust him out there you know I guess like Jose Abreu might be a bigger concern because he plays every day but no, I just maybe it's naive but I I feel like he'll turn it around I feel like this is like every year even last year I was like all right Jose you're kind of you're not hitting with guys in runner's position then he wins the MVP he just turns it (laughs) on so I'm I'm not too concerned with Jose Abreu as naive or foolish as that may be
0: well it helps too to know that unlike a bullpen which is just so interestingly constructed and one yeah. piece triggers all these other problems because everybody's got to step up if you're, if you're close gets for example the white Sox have 800 first baseman dhs and so mm-hmm. you would think that if a, a bray really couldn't snap out of it or, or or hurt himself in a way maybe couldn't play the field well then okay then you got andrew vaughn apparently you're mean mercedes is a first yeah. somehow in some universe um, so I, I could see why, you know, naive or not. I mean, it's like, okay, that's, you know, sort of a, and we can't expect necessarily um, more than an RBI a game or an RBI a game from uh, Jose Abreu Breu again this season. Aaron Bummer is a guy who people are talking about. He was going to, you know, he he's, he's your closer if they don't sign Liam Hendricks. And I was probably a guy who thought maybe it'd be a committee thing. I'm not a big closer mm-hmm. guy in the first place, but I mean, certainly he'd be getting those some uh, more in his share of ninth inning opportunities. And now you think, oh my God, now as much as we could criticize adding to a strength by uh, breaking the bank for Liam Hendricks. Well, geez, at this point it is like, thank God. Cause uh, you know, Jace isn't back. Bummer is, it does seem a little bit lost and, you know, hopefully it's just shaking some rust off basically mm-hmm. didn't pitch yeah. all last year and it's probably still adjusting to whatever, getting back into it with the, with the nerve issue. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, you don't want him to become your Jace Fry, and then you're dependent on I don't know Crochet to figure it out, or or, yeah. or no big lefty. Again, whether you're a big lefty-righty guy or not, you want somebody uh, mm-hmm. who throws from the left side. You know, <laughs> somebody in the bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's an interesting pick, and a, probably an easy one to overlook. But he's a guy, and in, in a way, maybe it's gotten a pass because it's been you know sexier to talk about. You know, how's Hendricks being used? Or um, yeah. Um, you know, where's our Jimmy Cadero who, who's going to throw, you know, every game or whatever. And he's maybe gotten a little bit of a pass because there have been other things to, to flag and worry about. And admittedly his role is smaller even when he's on, but uh, yeah, that's a piece that if it, if it can't fit in the bullpen, that triggers a lot of other problems. And again, with a minor league pen with, with, with the ready prospects sort of non-existent. I don't know that there's a guy there's a guy in Charlotte, who's going to be like, Okay. Defensive catcher. Okay. Maybe you bring mm-hmm. Sebi Zavala up and he's a guy who's going to be a great defensive catcher for you and won't hit and you don't expect him to. Uh, I can't think of somebody necessarily in the rotation. He's just like, okay, we don't have to worry. Um, I guess there are pen arms. I'm not sure from the left side. Cody Medeiros was very impressive this yeah. spring and I thought uh, he deserved a really strong look for that 13th spot. So maybe if uh, you know Fry's not back as quick as we want, we got a lefty we can we can bring up and maybe not lose a lot there. But you know, position players, I, you know, I don't know how much is there just to go. All right. Plug in. Which yeah. is evidenced by the fact that <laughs> Billy Hamilton in the mix. And you know, some of these guys that we just are like, Oh, yeah, well, he's available. Let's yeah. Hey, Billy, yeah. you want to, you know, you want to play Cleveland. Got, Cleveland who can't hit their way out of a paper bag. Cleveland got rid of yeah. Me, but Yeah.
1: Yeah. On, yeah. It's even worse that I was like, you know, Billy Hamilton looks
0: good in these first couple okay. of games, you know, we're, like- we're, we're hurting <laughs> without Billy Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, the nature of podcasts and being a fan is to maybe, you know, skew a little negative, but the truth is, listen, this is a 500 team, a tough stretch, um, got the toughest, the traditionally toughest uh, road trip out of the way right off the bat and didn't have to make the long trip, yeah. uh, any kind of you know red eye situation from like New York or Cleveland, but instead they're going from Arizona to get on that trip. I think it's a big break for the White Sox, even though they played that strange breakneck uh eight days in a row to start the season, which didn't give the rotation any sort of break. Um, and teams that are been playing tough. I mean, Seattle's been playing good. Yep. I mean, we caught him. Just and took,
1: beat uh, two took two from uh, the Dodgers. Yeah. I so mean, I they're, mean, they're killing it.
0: You know, the angels, I think better than anybody would have expected to come out of the game. Mm-hmm. It's not because the white Sox have been terrible Because mm-hmm. these teams are probably stronger than, than anybody expected. And the fact that, let's say Seattle can play close to 500. That's way better than anybody would have thought. Uh, of course, we dodged Oakland, and we're going to get them later. Hopefully, that might be good timing because they're uh, they're playing some ball. So, I even mean, there's things yeah. that that you know, this nine and nine is deceptive. Um, there's a lot of good things to to point out on this team. And how do you see uh, maybe the end of this month? Uh, where you see this team? At what point do you see this team breaking above five hundred? Because they've been playing with it all year.
1: God, I, I hope. I hope this weekend but, <laughs> yeah i mean but i mean i, I every time they get here i, I back to 500 I, I think they're gonna you know do it because they you know sweep the double header against uh the red Sox, and you're like all right this is gonna you know they're gonna carry that momentum and then giolito just gets drilled with all his, his change-ups in the the morning game so i mean i don't know i think they might be hovering around but the good thing is I mean, I'm not too worried about how long they hover around. If it's, like, all right, if we're, like, halfway through the year, and they're, like, 41 and 40, then yeah. But, like, I'm not too worried. they not worried because, I mean, everyone's hovering around. Other than the Dodgers, who are, like, 14 and 4, who who else has really separated themselves uh, from the pack, especially in the American League? Maybe, you know, I know Oakland's won 11 straight. Maybe the Red Sox, you know, they've been playing well. But, you know, especially in our division, like the Royals, no one's concerned about the Royals. They're great great start for them, but they're gonna they're gonna cool off you know and the good thing is the the twins just keep losing absolutely they came back from the COVID pause and you know they got shut out in their double header both double header games they terribly blew the game mm-hmm. on uh on Wednesday so I mean your biggest competitor and really the only competitor in my eyes in the division is however many games below you right now and yeah. not playing good baseball at all so I think that's good
0: yeah people want to look at that as empty like oh my god we should be distancing ourselves. And yeah. now here's the thing. If that's the team you got to compete with. And again, if obviously the white Sox are 500 and the twins are under, well, then there's some other team like right now it's the Royals who are going to say, Oh, Hey, look, the division, it's just been given to us. Uh, but that's really all I'm concerned about. I mean, it's a little silly. to say, Hey, okay, we're in third you know, second place, whatever. And, and they're in last and okay. We're two games ahead of them. That's a little silly. Cause yeah, you gotta, you're going to have to win this division in the playoffs. I don't see mm-hmm. many 90 win teams in this division. Uh, but yeah, I want to distance ourselves from that team. You're still gonna have to beat them head to head, but any distance we can get there, I'm not gonna get too uptight about whether it's five games or two games. I just all we gotta be mm-hmm. is one game ahead of them at the end. Yep. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not real concerned about like all oh, these awesome. What they're gonna find? They're gonna dig up a closer. You know, they're yeah. gonna dig up. Uh, I don't know what's up with Nelson Cruz. You know, he I think got pinched hit for late in, in some game. I don't know if he's hurt or they just found some defensive thing or something. But you know. I, they, 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 Byron Buxton and and, and Simmons, I mean, are guys I think pegged on the short list of, of most likely to miss significant time this year. Uh, that's mm-hmm. nothing to 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 shake a stick at. So, uh, the fact that even Josh, Josh
1: Donaldson, even
0: <laughs> Josh yeah. Donaldson, he's gonna make it rain. Jeremy's gonna make it rain. Yeah, <laughs> he's still gonna make it rain. Uh, yeah, I'm not too concerned about that. I mean, look at look at yeah, look at the league. Boston with Boston's pitching, Boston. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, we can't break our arms, pat ourselves on the back. Nine and nine, you know, there've been winnable games that have been lost. And if you don't get healthy against Texas at home this weekend, yeah. yes, this does you—you you, you picked it or you hit it. It's got to be now. This is where we get at least mm-hmm. a couple of games over, and hopefully, don't dip back down. You got to get healthy off of somebody, just like it was after that first lousy uh, one and three start. Okay, you got to go to Seattle and get healthy. They did. Uh, mm-hmm. You got to get healthy this weekend, even if it's against revenge game Dane dunning to, to lead it off uh you got to fatten up a little bit against texas because everybody's got to fatten up against texas and the white Sox you not do that so you know tough to say it's a crucial series uh toward the end of april but uh yeah you do start have to you have to start stringing some wins and you gotta start putting uh more distance between you and the twins and you gotta not it's cute that the royals get to be in first place for a while but yeah let's not let them get froggy and chippy about anything. Yeah. because they I think the psychology
1: of it too, just to get over 500, could help the team. Just, to, I mean, how many times have they gone to 500 and then and lost, you know, or lost two games and had to climb back? I think just the psychology of just like, okay, we have a winning record finally. So now we can, you know, kind of relax a little and we'll, we'll start winning here. I, I think that kind of plays a factor too, possibly.
0: Yeah, and you get some of these circumstances, especially, well, right from the start of the season where it's like, just bad breaks, like or the White Sox were sort of like a bad luck team. You don't want that to set in, and I know some of that's nonsense, but at the same time, hey, I'd much rather be a fan of the team. that's like, we're going to come back and win. Yeah. I don't care if we're down six. I mean, you know, Will Allen in the Sharing Sox uh, podcast uh, had a delightful rant about the fact that the White Sox gave up a game in the seventh inning by pitching your mean Mercedes. They are only down six runs on, and you can make arguments, oh, you got to spare the bullpen. There's a bullpen game coming up on Wednesday. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be your mean Mercedes in the seventh mm. inning. And I think his argument, though, he was um, um, uh, delightfully biting about it. I mean, I think there is a real pass for the White Sox there where it's like, oh, yeah, seventh inning, sure, pitch a position player. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm not really sure why that was like number three on the lineup card. Like, okay, why well, we, we pitched Zach Verde for a couple innings. So now who's next? It's your mean Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the boss wasn't giving up uh, 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 Francie Frankie Cordero trying to steal a base uh, yep. against your main Mercedes. So one team wasn't giving up in that game. So I don't know, maybe, maybe these are all uh, April, uh, um, you know, sort of like, I mean, this is supposed to be done as pre training. They played 28 games, but maybe this is still sort of a little bit of that feeling out period, especially some of the injuries and weird weather stuff that, you know, maybe by May 1st, we've got pretty much a, a settled rotation. Tony knows who you can count on whether it's on the pitching staff or even among the position players and you know you sort of rolling with what you have and, and hopefully this team gets its feet under it enough between now and the end of the month so that yeah maybe from May you don't look back I mean that's best case scenario but I don't think it's unrealistic
1: no definitely not I mean yeah like you said there's been so many factors like we've said that kind of held them back with the injuries and just kind of feeling it out and you know, I, I think there's also a the grace period for new managers just to kind of get used to the team, just team get used to them. And, you know, m- maybe this is it, you know, how – how I think Tony's trying to figure out what, how to use some of these guys, you know. And, yeah, some of the, the decisions are kind of dumb, you know, like why is Liam Hendricks coming back into that Angels game and throwing 40 pitches there? And it's like, you know, and, like, obviously it didn't affect him really, like, long-term, but, you know, even just in the moments, just like why are we – some of these decisions. But, you know, those get – um smoothed out as the year go on and you know the White Sox are a good team I mean they are they're a good baseball team and they'll good baseball teams figure it out eventually
0: beyond a grace period Tony La Russa came to the White Sox just needing a lot of grace and he's been lucky yeah <laughs> though fans have been up in arms you know I'm certainly myself included probably you as well about what in the world are the White Sox doing with this uh he has gotten by and large he has gotten that grace and he's proven himself to whatever degree worthy of it by coming in with some humility and saying, hey, listen, this isn't my team. You know, like, say, a new, new key player that acquired, um, you know, this yeah. isn't my clubhouse. Uh, I'm going to find a way to especially smart play by him, given that the one strength Ricky Renteria most had was the chemistry, um, the, the, the father figure he played to his players in the clubhouse. Again, maybe that worked against him to some degree, but certainly that was his strength. Tony comes in cold, old. I mean, again, not yeah. to be ageist, but, you know, certainly a guy who's been away from the game for a long time um and uh you know he's proven i'm pleasantly surprised mildly surprised by what i've seen so far i'm not going to get too much into the whole oh you know what's he doing with his book you know fine i mean the guy's won 80 billion games he's won more and he's lost i'm pretty sure uh you know i'm gonna let the baseball i'm gonna figure that he's gonna know the baseball stuff i'm really way more concerned with all the bs about whether he's gonna drink or whether he's gonna like lose his cool on a player whether he's gonna get some weird like no kneeling nonsense thinking like he's gonna yes. just disrupt this team that does seem the one thing it has seemed to go with was the same concern a little bit with adam eaton it's like how do you inject this guy in knowing who he is and who he's been yeah. Now, you know, spoiling the whole drink and, you know, again, so far so good in both, in both cases. So, you know, keep the fingers crossed that uh, <sighs> that there are good things coming in. Hey, listen, Jeremy Kyle's going to be covering for us. Here's the thing, people, you don't know where you're going to find him. You got to check out the recap because he might be writing up the recap of the game. You definitely don't want to check the six pack because he's probably putting together the poll. Chances are he's doing something almost every day on this site. Who knows what else he's doing? We got minor league stuff coming up. You might dabble in that. There could be some sort of opinion. He might be expanding an opinion he's thrown out on this very podcast into a column. You don't know. That's just it with this guy. You don't know where he's coming at you next. So keep your eyes open. It's Jeremy Carl joining me for podcast number 40 for the first time. Let's do it a bunch more, Jeremy.
1: Definitely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate right. it.
0: Thanks everybody for reading, watching. Now, well, few of you watching and listening without you guys, we don't have anything, so appreciate y'all being there. Strong community on Southside Sock, welcoming Jeremy to the crew, welcoming some other new faces as well, and we'll get to those very soon as well. Thanks, everybody, for listening.